every once in a while, you'll come across a story that really is so inspiring and makes you realize that, you know, for me here in Atlanta, there is this long history there of these companies that have stepped up and, and really impacted social change. For Monday, November 26th, 2018, this is episode 22, Coca-Cola's Ultimatum to Atlanta's White Elites, part two of my interview with Melanie Touchstone. You can watch the full video interview at youtube.com slash emilybinder on the podcast playlist. Welcome to the Beatle Moment Marketing Podcast, a short weekly exploration of marketing, technology, and career. I'm Emily Bender. I answer to no one, and I make this for you. Let's get on with the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I'm here with my guest, Melanie Touchstone, the Director of Digital Marketing for the Metro Atlanta Chamber. And actually, Melanie was my first podcast host ever. Back in 2010, we had the Digital Dive Podcast. This is a reunion episode. Very exciting. Yes. Yeah. I love, you know, nobody better than Emily to to talk about this stuff. We've we've got a lot of years behind us of of these kinds of conversations. So I'm I'm so happy for everything that that you're doing with Beetle Moment and um, just so happy that you invited me to be on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you are an absolute wealth of information about not only digital marketing as a whole, but Atlanta, one of my favorite cities. And I wanted to actually talk to you today about something that's interesting as far as what's going on with corporations and social justice. Mm-hmm. And you know, lately, you've done a lot of speaking about how social progress can come from an unexpected place, corporations. And right. so how does that work, especially in a time yeah. where... We're, you know, we're seeing headlines of major corporate injustices, whether it's a Me Too sexual harassment or mm-hmm. of consumer data. Yeah, you know, it's it really came from a place of when I, I started looking into, um, we decided that the Atlanta business community story hadn't really been told. And honestly, I wasn't all that excited about looking into it um, because of, you know, you see these daily headlines and you don't exactly equate corporations with social progress or, you know, CEOs with, you know, responsibility. In fact, you see headlines that are the opposite. You know, every day is another scandal. It's another data breach. It's, you know, thankfully we have so many stories coming to light around um, sexual harassment in the workplace. So, you know, in a time where everybody is really feeling a lot of discord and stuff, you know, I, I went about this. It just so happened that I signed up to do this project um, to, to get a historical marker um, around Atlanta's business community. And I started digging into research. And what I found, you know, what I expected to find and what I actually found were very different. Um, what I actually found was that there is a very strong tie, a very, a very powerful bridge between the business community and social progress. Now, it hasn't always been good. In fact, a lot of it is not good at all. And, um, you know, there's a very good reason why business businesses and corporations have earned the reputation that they have. But it's like every once in a while, you'll come across a story that really is so inspiring and makes you realize that, you know, for me here in Atlanta, there is this long history there of these companies that have stepped up and, and really impacted social change. Okay. So, so the companies that have impacted social change, um, 
who comes to mind? Well, so um, I'll tell you one story that is actually my favorite story, and it's so Atlanta, um, and it's it just it doesn't get told enough. So um, you know, I hope I do it justice. But basically, in in 1965, uh, we're in the middle of the civil rights movement. Um, all eyes are on the South, and you know things are going terribly awry, especially in cities like Little Rock and Birmingham. There's just so much violence. It's a it's a really dark time for the nation. And, um, you know, Atlanta had very purposefully worked to portray this image of progressiveness. They had managed to have minimal violence and chaos around school desegregations and um, like the 1961 sit-ins where Ivan Allen Jr., actually president of the chamber, and Martin Luther King Jr. um, sat down and found peaceful resolutions for those during those protests and sit-ins and um you know so it's it's a time where we're doing okay um but not great and our own you know the asset that we have what's really helping Atlanta be this beacon of progressiveness you know at least from the surface is that we have Dr. King here you know he's Atlanta's hometown guy coming up through Ebenezer Baptist Church and that is, you know, such a such an important part of our history. And so, in 1965, he or end of 1964, he wins the Nobel Prize, and this is a huge, huge moment in history. Period. You know, this is a an international recognition that you know racism, segregation, all of that stuff is not okay. And here is a hero, a living hero that has worked to to change this or to or to really make a difference and he's from Atlanta you know he's from here and that is such a a powerful moment that it really inspired the some of the leaders from the Atlanta community so the white business community black business community religious leaders and they come together and they are like okay this this is a huge thing like you know, we've got to throw the biggest party in the world. We've got to get every Atlanta person out here at this, at one, you know, big banquet table and celebrate our guy, celebrate this moment. And we'll take it a step further and make this a really great example of how black and white communities can come together in this, you know, in an integrated event, which at the time wasn't happening. And it was going to really just be a moment that Atlanta could show the world how progressive and, you know, ahead of the times and how it was doing the right thing. So Ivan Allen Jr. is uh, mayor at this point. He was the the chamber president and uh, now is mayor. And he sends out hundreds and hundreds of invitations to all of the community for this big banquet and planning is underway and it's going to be this big, big thing. Invitations go out and they wait wait and then nothing nobody responds nobody wants to come mm. it's way controversial it's too um you know it, it, it doesn't nobody wants to sponsor it nobody wants to touch it and the whole thing is just completely unraveling and if you can even put yourself in the shoes of these leaders and of Ivan Allen and you know even of Dr. King and and think about the embarrassment and just complete disgust at the fact that this amazing moment in history 
is happening and that Atlanta's own guy is is here and we can celebrate him and lift him up and the entire city doesn't want to come. Everybody's afraid. Everybody was afraid. And that was terrifying. And so Ivan Allen Jr. decides to call up, He, having been the chamber president, he was very tuned in with uh, the power of the business community. So he reached out to the president of Coca-Cola, Paul Austin, and told Paul Austin what was going on. So the thing about Paul Austin is that, yes, he was the president of one of the largest corporations, the, you know, the probably the most powerful company in Atlanta, but he had also just spent something like 17 years in South Africa during the apartheid. And so he had firsthand witnessed the way that cities can be completely destroyed by these, these horrible, you know, the, by segregation altogether. And he, he knew it was wrong. He knew that this couldn't happen. And he knew that he didn't want to be in a city that, that wouldn't, that, that would continue on like that. So he goes to Robert Woodruff, who um, was the uh, CEO or former CEO of Coca-Cola. And the two guys sit down and they're like, we can't, you know, you've got to make a move here. We've got to do something about this. And they make a very courageous decision to throw the gauntlet. They call up the entire white business elite to this, to the Piedmont Driving Club. It's this big hoity-toity event. And Paul Austin, probably one of the most powerful men in Atlanta, gets up and tells every single one of the people in the room that it was an embarrassment to be in Atlanta or be in a city that refuses to honor Dr. King and that Coca-Cola does not need Atlanta and Atlanta needs to decide real fast if Atlanta needs Coca-Cola. So this is a room full of people whose pockets have been lined with money from, from corporations like Coca-Cola. The Coca-Cola moving headquarters would be a huge loss. It would be I mean, and even for Coca-Cola company, I mean, moving a headquarters is no no big joke. That was a, a huge risk. And if they had to act on that, then, you know, they had really put themselves out there and there was a lot of potential for them to fail as well. And after that really bold statement, things could have gone a lot of ways. And it turns out that the next day, the entire event sold out. Wow. Oh. So it became this amazing event. You know, it was uh, one of the first times that you really saw an, an integrated event of that kind happen. Dr. King is there. Coretta Scott King is there. Ivan Allen Jr. is there. It is a huge moment for Atlanta. It gets international coverage. And it really just puts Atlanta at the forefront of what it can, what a Southern city can do, how a Southern city can, can really rise above what's happening around them. Now, Atlanta was not perfect and things were not great. And this was just a very tiny step in a lot of work that needed to be done and a lot of work that still needs to be done. But it was an act of courage that came from, you know, a, from the CEO of a company who said, you know, I recognize my power and I recognize my privilege mm. and I'm going to do something about this and I'm going to put it on the line to do what's right. 
And, you know, that was such an inspiring story. And as you start to look, there are other companies in Atlanta that have kind of followed in those footsteps. So most recently you had Delta, um, you know, take a stand against the NRA Mm -hmm. and it was really controversial. Um, They risked jet fuel tax um, exemptions, which, uh, you know, is actually in legislative session right now to to re-examine. But there are a lot of companies, um, even with House Bill 757 several years ago, a bunch of companies that came together, hundreds, um, to speak out against um, anti-LGBTQ legislation. So it's happening we just need for it to happen more. And so the, the call to action that I usually share with people is that really think about who you're working for. You know, are you working for a company that recognizes or that that reflects the same values that you have? Are you working for a company that would be willing to stand in front of the Piedmont Driving Club in 1965 and tell a room of white rich men that if they don't get it together, you're going to completely uproot your company. You know, find employers, seek employers like that and spend your money on brands and companies that have taken a public stance, research them, do a little work. Yeah, and encourage it because even though the means aren't always altruistic for these companies to act in this way, the fact that they're, you know, any any change that they are making for whatever reason they're doing it is, you know, is important. And that's how we're going to progress as a society now with political turmoil. You know, it's it's a tool in front of us that we haven't really utilized. I totally agree. I mean, I always vote with my dollar. Every dollar I spend, yeah. I don't want to give Absolutely. it to a company that stands for something I don't believe in. I have other options. We all do as yeah. and the information is more readily available than ever. So, yeah. Absolutely. And you can look up their coalitions out there, business coalitions where businesses have signed different pledges. Uh, Georgia Prospers is an example of one that um, that hundreds of businesses have signed um, to, to try and keep Atlanta welcoming and opening to everybody. So do the research, do the work and, um, you know, support the companies that are that are taking a stand. That's a great call to action. Um, on that mm-hmm. note. We're out of time, but thank you so much for sharing that neat story. I had never yeah. heard. Um, that's 1965, man. You know, yeah. it's it's a while ago, but you can still see moments today when someone needs to just take a stand, and it might not be popular, and it might be a risk. But yep, there's right. a whole lot more that we can do. We just have to continue to carry the torch. Carry the torch. I love it. Okay, well, Melanie Touchstone, Director of Digital Marketing at the Metro Atlanta Chamber, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell people where they can find you. So you can find me on Twitter. It's Mel Touchstone. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Melanie Touchstone, Instagram, Facebook. You can just type in my name. Um, So yeah, reach out. Okay, great. Thanks, Melanie. Thank you so much. Brought to you by our friends at Pippa. Pippa is the simplest, smartest way to share your podcast. Visit BeetleMoment.com forward slash P-I-P-P-A to get a $25 Amazon gift card when you sign up. And we thank Pippa very much for their support of the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review in Apple Podcasts. You can go directly to the page at bit.ly forward slash beetlepod. That's bit.ly forward slash beetlepod. And you can rate and review, which will help others find the show. Thank you in advance. I do appreciate your review. 
For more about the show or to consult with me, visit BeatleMoment.com. Tweet me at Emily Bender. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening. I'll see you next week.